Ministries of Southwest Church, located in the heart of Springboro, Ohio, at 150 Remick Boulevard, beside the Kaufman Family YMCA. Please visit our website at www.southwestchurch.org. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Senior Minister Roger Hendricks. Well, it just so happens that your friend here is only mostly dead. There's a big difference between mostly dead and all dead. Please open his mouth. Now, mostly dead is slightly alive. Now, all dead, well, with all dead, there's usually only one thing that you can do. What's that? Go through his clothes and look for loose change. not ask for a more noble cause than that. Yeah, Sammy, true love is the greatest thing in the world. Except for a nice MLT, a mutton lettuce and tomato sandwich when the mutton is nice and lean and the tomatoes ripe. They're so perky. I love that. But that's not what he said. He distinctly said to blave. And as we all know, to blave means to bluff. Huh? So you're probably playing cards and he cheated. Liar! Well, that's the first time I've ever started a message with a clip from The Princess Bride. And if you're, uh, if you're younger and you don't know what that movie was about, that's a, a classic movie, The Princess Bride. And, uh, and in the midst of all the craziness of that scene, there is a penetrating question that does apply to what we're going to be talking about today. As, uh, you know, as uh, the Billy Crystal character is trying to revive that guy there, and he asks, uh, what what do you have worth living for? And that's really the question that we want to zero in on today. What do you have worth living for? My hope and my prayer as we begin this new message series is that we can help each individual worshiping here at Southwest today and throughout this series of messages really find a meaningful calling for their life. And in fact, uh, I want to encourage you to be thinking of who you can invite to come and join us as we go down this road of discovery together as a church, uh, that they will benefit from this, to find this, this rich calling that God has for each and every one of us. So we want to encourage you to be inviting others to join us during this series. And also, you can invite them to come and participate with you in a small group if you're uh, engaged in a small group here at Southwest. And by the way, it's not too late uh, to jump into a small group. We've got signups. You can see on the back tables, we've got uh, displays. The various small group leaders are still uh, making their groups available. And uh, we want to encourage you to to sign up. You can look uh, in the the green flyer in the bulletin and see all the groups that are going to be kicking off this week and uh, see which one would be a good fit for you. It's also not too late to uh, pick up one of these books. We've got some left over. And if we run out, we'll order some more. They're out there on the welcome table. As we, uh, 
as we really dig into this, this message and small group series based on that opening question, what do you have worth living for? There's two key Bible verses that we're going to just continue to come back to throughout this series. And, and the first one is found in an amazing chapter of the Gospel of John. And it's, it's actually a passage that we taught from and unpacked earlier this year, and yet it's such a rich passage that, that it's a great starting point for this series. It's, it's found in John chapter 10, and in this passage, we see uh, Jesus who reminds us he is the good shepherd for our lives and for our souls. And in this passage, we see that Jesus as the good shepherd invites us to his primary calling or basic calling for each and every one of us to become his followers. In, in John 10, beginning in verse 2, the one who enters by the gate, Jesus says, is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And then in verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You know, in this passage, we see Jesus inviting each and every one of us and every person on earth to a personal relationship with him. And in that invitation, we see also a promise for a full life of meaning. And yet in this, he reminds us as, as he gets into this invitation that there is going to be other competing voices in our life. Competing voices uh, inviting us to invest our time and our lives into pursuits, causes, or purposes that don't provide the same fulfillment that Jesus promises. Instead, these lesser callers, callings end up many times stealing precious time and energy, and along the way can squash, destroy our hope, our purpose, and even relationships along the way. And yet Jesus promises that in following him, we can find quality life and a true meaning for life. I love how the New King James Version reads in verse 10, when Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. This is the key promise that this entire series, More, is based on. And it's our heartfelt desire for everyone here at Southwest to experience that more abundant life. And we want to make sure that we're continuing to reach out to our friends and neighbors and family members and coworkers and inviting them into this more abundant life as well that Jesus provides. You see, that's where we get the name for this series, More. Now, the word that, that Jesus uses in this verse describing a life that is full uh, means this, this deeply contented life, a, a life that's flourishing, a life that's exceptionally full to the, to the point of overflowing. That's, that's the sense of this word that's used here in this text. And to illustrate this point, I have on stage a couple of items, object lessons, that I hope will 
hopefully help illustrate this in a way that, that will make this passage even more meaningful to you, okay? In keeping with the fact that this past week, and I don't know if you know it, maybe you missed it, but on September uh, 29th, it was National Coffee Day, okay? Now, uh, some say I don't need a holiday to celebrate that, and that's kind of the way I feel, okay? I, I really like, okay, I'm seeing people show signs they don't like coffee, but you know, a lot of Americans don't really like coffee. They like the idea of drinking coffee. They like the smell of coffee, but they don't really like coffee. That's what Starbucks is based on. And so because of that, um, uh, and, and because of that, uh, you know, people put sugar and cream and all this foo-foo stuff in their coffee. And, uh, but I want to share with you, I am a real coffee drinker. Okay. Uh, I love coffee and, uh, and so when I go to a coffee shop, they always say, should, I, should we leave a little room for cream? I said, no, fill it full. In fact, because I'm cheap, I say, fill it to the top of the rim, okay? I wanna get my money's worth. And, and, and sometimes I get a barista who will take me up on this. And when I walk it back to my, um, to my seat or the chair there at the table, then I almost spill it, and sometimes I do spill it and burn. Now, by the way, because I'm a coffee drinker, I thought this was just too weak of an illustration. So here's a coffee cup that maybe more illustrates, okay, uh, what I'm talking about. But you see, Jesus says that he came that we could have a full, full life, a life that's overflowing, not just to the top of the cup, Let's see if I can illustrate this. I've got tendonitis in my wrist, so let me see if I can do this without hurting myself here. I tried to pour last night left-handed, but I'm so right-handed. So, the, whoa. So the idea there is that Jesus is saying that you'd be so full that you overflow, okay? Does that describe your life? Are you so full of what God is doing in your life that it's just overflowing out of you and from you into the lives of other people? You see, that's the kind of life that Jesus invites us to. That's the kind of life that down deep, I think we're all longing to live. And yet here's the question. How many of us are experiencing that kind of life on a regular, everyday basis, 100% of the time? Raise your hand if you're experiencing that kind of life. You see, we don't. We, we lose sight. We lose focus. And we settle for a life that's not experiencing the level of fulfillment that God has created us to experience. Now, this series is based on two basic verses, beginning with this promise from Jesus that he offers that more abundant life. But it's also based on a human emotion that is, is felt by so many people. It's the human emotion of restless discontent. Or some have described this restless discontent as an unfulfilled eternal longing. You see, God created us to, to, to not truly be fulfilled until we learn to fill our lives with the one who created us. My fear is that far too many people have never experienced that fullness. 
And my fear is that far too many people that even are claiming to be followers of Jesus are so busy running here and running there that they find themselves living a busy life and yet not a busy life that's running on full, but a busy life that's running on, em- on empty. Can you relate to this human emotion of restless discontent? Just feeling an emptiness that something's missing. I can remember the first time I really felt that and experienced that in my life. You know, as I went through high school, I just kind of, I had a really uh, good high school experience and I'm grateful for that. Some people talk about how theirs was terrible, but I had a pretty, I kind of just coasted through high school and everything was good. And then I hit college. And then it was like that, that reality, okay, I've got to start making some decisions on what I want to do with my life. And I remember, you know, I, I got into a, a field of study that my teachers had encouraged me to go into. Even my parents said, oh, that'd be good, you know, that's a good field, that's a good career path. And, and I'm a couple of years in and I just, you know, was doing well academically, but I just felt this restless discontent. I felt like this isn't what, this isn't the path I'm supposed to be on. I'm headed the wrong direction. I couldn't make sense of it. And, and what, I, what I realize now as I look back on that is that, that God was prompting me, that he was helping me come face to face, that, that I was created for him. And I was created to be filled with him and a relationship with him. And, and so because through that, through that, I, I started seeking after a relationship with Christ. I became a Christian, and, and my whole direction in life changed. And I, and I began to sense that God was calling me to something different than that path that I first believed that I was to take. Now, my point in this is not to encourage college students to change their majors, which I did, or for people that are in a job or profession to leave that job or profession and, and go into full-time paid ministry or oversee, become an overseas missionary, because I don't think that's the Lord's will for everyone. Now, I, I think that is the Lord's will for some, and if that's God's call in your life, I, I want to encourage you to, to listen to that. And yet, what is God calling you to? And are you listening to that restless discontent in your heart? Because as we begin to become attuned to that, we can begin to listen for what the Lord's true calling in our life is. And that's the focus of this series. What is the Lord's calling in my life? What's the Lord's calling in your life? And our hope is to help every person that we can influence through this eight-week series and through our small groups, come in touch with that and come to grips with that. And for those of us who are trying our best to listen to the Lord's calling in our lives, what would our life look like if we could learn to truly be in step with what God wants to do in our life and God's lead in our life? How much more would our lives be full and overflowing? Let's learn together what it means during this series to be Jesus' followers and to be in step with his calling for our life so that we can experience 
real fullness, a full, abundant life. Now, throughout this series and throughout our small group series, we're going to be reading and learning from some very important Bible verses found in a particular book of the Bible uh, entitled Ephesians. Now, as I considered this opening promise of Jesus uh, to live the full life, I did a, a search for the word fullness. And what I found was, and I never had realized this before, is that that word fullness is found uh, uh, the most often and the most concentrated in this little bitty book in the New Testament called Ephesians. It has a lot to say about living the full life and filling our lives up with Christ and allowing that to overflow to everyone that we can influence. And so today, as we just give an overview of where we're headed during this series, we're going we're gonna to look at a number of these passages from Ephesians. We're not going to get real in-depth with any of them. Okay, that'll happen in our small groups as we go through this series. And yet, yet we want to just give you a, a snapshot view of where we're headed. Now, the book of the letter of Ephesians begins with a, a powerful prayer by the author of the book, the, the Apostle Paul. And then after this prayer, he writes these words in Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. He says, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. We see at the very beginning of this book and throughout the book that to experience fullness, the, the, the type of fullness that Jesus promised, the type of fullness we're describing in this series, that in our individual lives and in our life collectively as a church, we must make sure that we keep as our primary identity that we are following Jesus and that he is our focus and that we are seeking to be his disciples and his followers in everywhere, in every way. And because of that, it's through that that we'll experience fullness or completeness. In fact, as you read Ephesians, you get the idea that, that God's saying, hey, I just want this fullness of Christ to just saturate the earth. And that's the mission of the church is to get that message of Christ and how he provides that more full, abundant life. Now, far too often, though, I think churches and I think even individual followers of Jesus can get excited about sharing the good news of Christ. They can get excited about sharing God's love and, 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 and we can lose sight of where our source of fullness comes from. You see, we can get busy telling others about what God has done in our lives and what, how God loves them and longs to have a personal relationship with them. And yet, if we're not careful, if we don't stay tapped in to Jesus Christ, if we don't allow him to continue to pour into our life as we're pouring into the lives of others, after a while, if we don't allow him to keep pouring in our life, we start becoming empty ourselves. And we start finding that we don't have anything to offer anyone else. Have you ever experienced that? I have as a, as a follower of Jesus and trying to help other people. 
you know, if, if I don't continue to allow myself to be filled up with Christ in my daily walk with him and learning about him, and if I keep trying to serve and encourage others, I can find myself coming up empty. And so we wanna make sure as, as a church that we learn during this series to keep being filled up with the fullness that only comes from Jesus Christ. You know, it's, it's, content, it's crucial that we continue to allow Jesus to pour into our lives his fullness so that that fullness can overflow to others. And yet, even though we all have that same basic identity to follow Jesus and to be tied into him and, and have that personal relationship with him, the way that plays out in each of our lives will be uniquely different because God has created us differently. And let's see this play out in another passage, which is a key Bible verse in this series, Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. And I love how the New Living Translation reads here. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. Don't you love that? As, as, as God's looking at, at the Christian, as he's looking at somebody that he has created and that he loves and, and longs to work through, he says, you're God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. This Bible verse along with the opening promise from John 10 are the two foundational Bible truths that this entire series is based. And in this Bible verse, we learn that God has both a primary calling in each of our lives to follow Jesus as his disciple and yet he has a secondary calling in our lives because he uniquely shapes each of us with unique strengths, gifts, talents, and personalities. And so as we individually commit our lives to Jesus Christ and follow him and allow him to fill us, and as we become more self-aware how God has uniquely shaped us, then the way that's played out in each individual will sometimes look different. And when we learn to function and serve in the unique way that, that God created us and has recreated us in Jesus Christ, we're going to experience a deep fulfillment. And our hope is to help each person through this series to learn to live within their unique sweet spot. That's the title of today's message, to live in that unique sweet spot as God has created you. Now, I'm not sure if you've thought about the amazing power of finding your personal sweet spot, but we see this in other avenues of life and we recognize and understand the importance of that. We understand in sports, we got a, some video clips of some, some famous athletes finding the sweet spot. I've got up here a, a softball bat, okay? And, um, you know, if I played a lot of baseball growing up and I learned pretty early on, I, I, I'm at the age that I played with a wooden bat growing up, okay? And, and there were certain spots on the bat that you wanted to hit a ball, and there's certain spots that you don't want to hit a ball, okay? And, and the same is true with tennis. The same is true with golf, uh, with the club. 
In fact, that's why I'm a terrible golfer. I've never figured out the sweet spot of a club or the ball, okay? Uh, but in baseball, I know, you know, if you let the ball get too close to your hands, I mean, it's gonna sting like crazy, okay? And it's not gonna do. And with a wooden bat, if you get that brand facing, that's not the sweet spot. In fact, the bat will splinter. You wanna, splinter, you wanna make sure you hit the ball with the sweet spot. And when you do, good things happen. You know, the same could be applied in football, you know? Uh, Bengals fans are grateful that Mike Nugent found the sweet spot, okay, on Thursday's game because they still haven't found the end zone. Okay, I'm, uh, but um, see, and don't tell me, my team, the Colts are playing right now. So if they're doing terrible, don't tell me. I don't want to be uh, uh, distracted in between services, okay? But uh, you, you see, as we learn to hit that sweet spot in our life of how God has created us, then we're gonna see God work in some amazing ways. In fact, as we look at this next passage, as we think about us being that, that instrument in God's hand, like for an athlete, the bat, the club, or the racket, as we learn to be that instrument in God's hand, as, as we learn to function within our sweet spot, listen to this description, that same passage, but in the English Standard Version. It says, for we are his workmanship. I like that. We are his workmanship, his masterpiece, an instrument in his hand, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We see in this Bible verse clearly the focus theme of this series. In fact, we see it played out on the stage behind me. The, the simple words, be, do, and go. As we learn what it means to be followers of Jesus, disciples, those new creations. As we learn what it means to do what God has called us to, our our primary calling that we all share of making disciples, but also as we discover what God wants us to do uniquely in our lives to live that out. And then how to go about that and to be, as I like how the English Standard Version, to walk in them, to be on the move, to be going, to learn what it means to live in our sweet spot, in the position of life that God has best shaped us to live and to serve. And yet, this message series is not designed to be a self-centered pursuit. In fact, I had the opportunity as I was preparing for this series to, to listen and watch an interview of the author, Todd Wilson, as he talked about what motivated him to write this book and, and just his thoughts as he put effort into this book. He said that he interviewed people and as he was learning about this personal calling and how God has called each of us both uh, in a basic calling, but also a unique secondary calling. Uh, he said he interviewed a guy that had written quite a bit about the subject of calling, a guy named Os Guinness. And Os Guinness said to him, said, okay, I love where you're going with this book, but I hope you don't write another self-help book. And Todd Wilson said that was not his intent at all. And see, if, if, if we get focused during this series on ourselves, and if we get focused kind of in a narcissistic way, a focus on what's going to lead us to feel most fulfilled, then we're going to miss the focus 
and the point of the series. Instead, it's important for us to understand that our fulfillment is found in Christ and that we will find the greatest fulfillment when we're living out our giftedness as we interact and are in community with others. We see that continue to be emphasized as we go through our reading in Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 3, here's an emphatic reminder. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to the all, all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, we're called to live out our common primary calling as followers of Jesus and our secondary unique calling, taking into consideration our unique sweet spot. But we do that all within the framework of the unity of the church. In fact, one of the consistent themes throughout the Bible is that every single time in the Bible, it talks about individual giftedness and how God has given us gifts and unique gifts and talents, every time that's really emphasized in Scripture, right before it or right after it, is a charge to love others. You see, these gifts that God gives to the individuals that follow Jesus Christ are not designed for us just to be focused on ourselves. These gifts are given to us so that we can strengthen others. And that's what we read in Ephesians chapter four. And by the way, I I found a new translation I really like. It's called the ERV. You know, we got those little letters after uh, a scripture and that stands for easy to read version. And I like that, okay? It's easy to read and, and it really is. And so I'm referring to this more and more often. But in Ephesians four, listen to how the easy to read version reads. So Christ came down and he is the same one who went up. He went up above the highest heaven in order to fill everything with himself. See how that's God's design is for us to be filled with Christ. And that same Christ gave these gifts to people. He made some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to go tell the good news, and some to care for and teach God's people. Christ gave these gifts to prepare God's holy people for work of service or work of serving to make the body of Christ stronger. Why does Christ through the Holy Spirit give his followers unique gifts? So that we can serve others, so that we can strengthen the church and help other followers of Christ be stronger in their walk as well. That's why I think it's so important that we go down this path of discovery and journey together in small group fellowship. That's why we've been encouraging all of you to find a small group and plug in and get connected because it's in community that I think we really discover how this all plays out. You see, this passage and the others we've looked at points out that the Lord gives us unique individual gifts, but we're not to become individualistic in our approach to living in our sweet spot, but instead we're called to see how that can be a a help to others as we serve others. We must stay true to our primary basic calling to be a church full of people who are following Jesus and making disciples. 
And yet we're called to be made aware of our secondary unique calling to utilize the individual gifts that Jesus has poured into our lives. Now, to help illustrate the importance of being aware of both the primary and secondary calling, I have one more object on stage that I'd like to hopefully help illustrate this point. Okay, I've got up here a paddle or an oar. Okay, so if you, if you think of our lives being like a rowboat, okay? Now, what happens to far too many people in life is they go through life and they don't ever get the oars in the water and, and they just kind of drift through life. They don't really have a sense of direction. They don't really have a sense of uh, meaning or purpose or focus or calling as we're talking about in this series, and they just kind of drift. And it's easy to excuse that because we look around and we see other people just drifting through life, and we think that's how you live life. We think there's a better way, and I believe Scripture points out there's a better way. What Now, as we think about the oar, what, you know, one thing, if you don't put any oars in the, in the water, you're going to just drift. Now, but if you're in a rowboat and you just have one oar and you put it on one side and you just keep rowing on that one side, what's going to happen? You go in circles, right? And see, the, that can be true in our lives if we're not aware of both our primary and our secondary calling. Now, I had someone last night say, well, you could have one oar and just go, you know, like this. I said, smart Alec. Okay. But anyways, they're right. But see, you got to have, you got to, you got to have balance there. And so let's think about us having two oars. See what I think sometimes we do in life. And I've, I've been guilty of this. I just focus on that primary calling. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to make disciples. And I just row and I row and I row harder and harder and harder. And I'm not aware of how God wants me to do that in specific ways. I'm not aware of how, how maybe others are gifted differently than me. And, and, and so I'm not, I don't give a, a allowance for that. And what happens is we can just find ourselves rowing in a circle. On the other hand, somebody that's really self-aware and says, okay, I, I understand my limitations. I understand my strengths and my gifts and my talents. And so you're really tuned with that secondary, unique gifting. But you've lost sight of that primary calling and you can find yourself just rowing and frustrated because you're, you're lacking the meaning of pouring into the lives of others and having a common calling with others in the church. And yet, if on the other hand, we learn both our primary and our secondary calling, then what we can find is we really get in the stream of what God wants to do in our life and in the church, and we can really begin to make traction, and we can really begin to see God working in powerful ways. You see, my fear is that there's too many people in the church here at Southwest that that say, well, I, I don't have the talent to get up on stage and sing or play an instrument. Or I don't feel like I have the talent to teach publicly or in small group or maybe in children's ministry. And yet God's given you talents and he's given you strengths and gifts. Maybe you're limiting what God wants to do in your life. And so because of that, you've just become passive and you're just being a spectator watching others serve. 
And you're not finding the fulfillment that God really wants you to experience. Our hope is to help everybody during this series is keep in mind that primary calling, but yet discover those unique gifts so that we can all find meaning and fulfillment. And as we do, I believe verse 13 of Ephesians 4 will be true. He says, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. You see, when we get both oars in the water, then we can find the real fulfillment, the true completeness in Christ. Well, the overall concept of this series is fairly simple and straightforward. And yet, I wanna ask you two questions as we close. And maybe you can think about these questions as we take communion, as we wrap up our time together and have a time of reflection and remembrance. I think there's two barriers that can prevent individuals here at Southwest from really benefiting from this series. One is not listening to that restless discontent or not listening to God's calling in your life. And so the question that I wanna ask you, are you willing to listen to what God's calling you to in this series. A second barrier that can prevent us from really benefiting is to not get our oars in the water and to not put the effort, the work. You know, I've had a number of people that uh, have looked at this material and says, man, this, this material that we're passing out in small groups, it's really good. But I've had people say, but is, will people do the work? Will people put the effort to really apply this teaching? So that's my question as we begin this series. Are you willing to listen to God's calling in your life and are you willing to do the work? In the process of all this, we wanna keep our focus on Christ, who is the one who fills us. He is the one that we will find true fulfillment. So as you think about those questions, are you listening for God's calling in your life? And are you willing to put forth the effort to really live out what it means to be who God's called you, to do what he's called you to do, and to go where he calls you to go? If so, then I hope the prayer that Paul writes also in Ephesians will speak to you and will prepare all of us for this time of communion. In Ephesians 3, 14, Paul says, for this reason I kneel before the Father, And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. As we take communion together, Maybe ask yourself those two questions that I closed with. But ask yourself, where have I been looking for fulfillment? Have I been filling my life up with the wrong things? During this time of communion, let's realize that Jesus is the only one that can fulfill our lives, having that personal relationship with him. And let's realize how much he did so that we could have that relationship. As we take the bread, as we take the cup, let's remember he 
is the source of our fulfillment. He is the one that we want to listen to and follow after. Let's pray together. Dear God, thank you for this time that we've had just to reflect on the full life that you want and long to give each and every one of us and every person we know, and that you give it that to us in Christ. Help us truly understand the depth and the width and the length of Christ's love. 